Hi everybody, JP here. Given the events of the past week, we're interrupting our Families in Neurosurgery series to bring you a special episode featuring an individual with a valuable perspective in this sphere of life. Unfiltered, unedited, unadorned, just a straightforward conversation about what's happening in our world from one person's point of view. I trust we can all appreciate and respect when an individual steps up and speaks from the heart. So, as I lack his expertise, I'm going to shut my trap and let this episode speak for itself. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Nursery Podcast. As JP indicated, we have a special episode today, and we are very honored to be joined by Connor Berger. Connor actually is an applicant in neurosurgery this year, meaning he's a fourth-year medical student. Connor, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you, sir. Connor, tell us a little about your background, where you grew up, where you went to college, medical school, stuff like that. So I grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut. Um, It's about maybe uh, 70, 80 miles from New York City. Um, I uh, went to undergrad at the University of Miami. Uh, currently a medical student at St. George University, but did my clinical uh, third-year training uh, at Elmhurst Hospital in New York City. Great. So you're you're a hurricane. Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had the honor of meeting Connor yesterday. We at Miami have a tradition of a uh, annual regatta out on the water on Biscayne Bay. And my wife, who is always more curious and intelligent than me, started up a conversation with Connor and came back to me and said, you know, this is this is a gentleman that has a lot to say potentially about what's going on uh, today in Afghanistan. And let me just preface this by saying that obviously whenever we interview guests, um, we try to in 30 minutes tack down one dimension of their life. And obviously you're a complex person. you got a lot to your life more than what we're going to talk about today. But we wanted to focus in particular on this issue of Afghanistan because this just all happened this past week. So tell us a little about your experience and and how you, how this came to pass. Well, I, um, I decided to join the Marines uh, when I was 17, uh, right right before I graduated uh, high school. Um, There's a tradition in my family of uh, when there's a, when there's a, a war fight, um, we, uh, we step up to the plate. And um, I felt that after the events of 9-11, that um, this was my, uh, this was my uh, duty. And what year was this? Uh, this was in 2009. 2000, wow, 2009. So did you go back and get your GED after that? Or how did you? Uh, no, I finished, I finished early, uh, finished pretty early uh, high school. So around um, uh, March or April okay. 2009. So in 09, you enlist in the Marine Corps That's and then correct. you go through basic training? Yep, basic training. I, uh, I joined the infantry. So I was an infantry machine gunner, uh, trained uh, at, went through uh, boot camp at Paris Island, um, and then uh, then trained um, infantry school at Camp Lejeune. And you did two tours in Afghanistan, is that correct? That's correct. You didn't go to Iraq? No, I didn't go to Iraq. I, uh, all the Iraq guys were the ones who were my instructors. And um, unfortunately, it was a completely different fight. And so tell me the years that you were there. Well, so I... Initially went through um, basic training and attached to a unit, which was deploying right away. Deployed there for around four or five months. Came back, started started to do our. Um, so what Marines do is they do seven month deployments. So seven months on, seven months off, seven months on. Um, because of the situation that was going on back in 2010, um, there was a big push uh, into Afghanistan. So that was the Obama surge. That's right. right. Yeah. <clears throat> that's okay. correct. Yeah. And I, uh, I happened to join right up when that was kicking off. 
and it started off in the uh, in the city of Marja, Afghanistan. Um, the uh, the objective was to push city to city north to the Kachaki Dam, uh, which was being held by the Taliban, and uh, they weren't allowing water to go to certain areas who weren't growing opium for them. Wow! So uh, the the mission was to push out of Kand- Kandahar and go up the Helmand River, uh, city by city until we got to the Kajaki Dam. So now let me just add for our listeners that we've interviewed at least a dozen neurosurgeons who've served in the U.S. military, but almost all of them served in the capacity of being a physician. You were actually serving, this is before college, in a combat role. That's correct. Wow. So you were at the front lines. And and for those of you who are young and not not aware, this is very different. If you're a doctor in the military, you're protected, you're behind lines, you're very unlikely to be hurt or killed. But but Connor, you're there as a machine gunner. Right. That's a machine gunner. Yeah. Okay. I carried a a big 240 uh, Bravo machine gun on my back (laughs) for uh, most of the mostly on foot as well. Now, I just want to add another piece for our listeners that, you know, I obviously the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq are very sensitive. Um, they're very controversial. And, and Connor was doing his duty as a soldier. And you were a, uh, what, what you were like a Lance Corporal or something like that? Uh, the first time, yeah, Lance Corporal. And then I, uh, I left the Marine Corps as a sergeant. Okay. Wow. So you were promoted very quickly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, obviously Connor was doing what he's being asked to do. And I know this is very sensitive and and fighting in the military in some ways is analogous to what we do with surgeons, but also in some ways the opposite, right? That you're, that you're, you're, you're engaging with, with enemy forces as opposed to trying to save people's lives. Right. Now tell us about like at the time, were you already thinking you'd want to be a doctor or did, did seeing the horrors of war motivate that within you? Um, that's, that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and, I should say too that on the ground, um, it's very different than what you would think. Um, a lot of the people in these towns just wanted to simply stop being harassed. The Taliban, from what I saw firsthand, it was a gang. Uh, it was a gang of, of of people who were you know criminals trying to trying to influence people to do things that they didn't want to do, trying to get money through heroin production and 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 things of that nature. Uh, most of these, most of these townspeople just just want to live life in peace and not not have to worry about bombs going off. So, so just to be clear, like a lot of people don't get the granularity. The Taliban is not synonymous with Afghani people, right? Not a, not not even the slightest, right? Not even the slightest. Um, just so, just farmers. So you see this, and then and what's going through your mind? You're seeing bloodshed. I'm right. I'm sure many um, of your friends were wounded or, or yes, killed. Yes, yes, um, several. Um, Mostly grievous wounds, uh, uh, triple amputees and double amputees were the most common cause of um, injury. Uh, the um, IE presence in, uh, in this region is was uh, very heavy, very heavy, and also sniper fire and uh, things of that nature. We we our unit was not one that decided to use airstrikes often because of the civilian populations in these areas. So it was us walking foot, house to house, foot by foot, um, and then, you know, bring help trying to rid these, these towns of, uh, you know, these criminals, basically. Well, Connor, it obviously means so much to us to hear you coming on and being willing to talk with us about these firsthand experiences that you had. And as Dr. Wang said, there are so many different facets to an individual, and we're zeroing in on this single part of your life, but it is clear when you come in and you, you talk with us about this way that you served our country, for which we're obviously so grateful, now you've moved into a different sphere of life where you're serving your community, 
you're serving your fellow citizens in a different way. Um, I wonder, though, as you talk about there at the end, the difference between the criminals, as you say, in the Taliban and the people of Afghanistan, the farmers, and these this clear delineation between the groups. Talk with us from that perspective, if you could, about the events going on now. What, from your perspective as someone who was there working to protect those people, um, what do you make of what's happening in the past week as the Taliban resurges? Well, uh, it's obviously, it's extremely troubling because we've, uh, myself and uh, many of my friends lost their, lost, you know, a lot of their life. Um, some of them lost their whole life. Uh, and uh, just a few days on the ground there, it was pretty easy to see the difference between right and wrong and uh, good and evil. And some that this fight honestly was worth, worth dying for to help try and protect these people from this, this, you know, the insanity. You think about the best way to describe it is it was it's what people would do if there was no laws and there was only the only the the um, the nastiest were the ones who got ahead. And that's and that's really what it is over there. Um, So uh, oftentimes they would come into these towns and and kidnap some of their some of the the farmers, children, anything they could do to influence um, them to to do the to do these things, Uh, you know. I'm sure there's multi, there's mul, there's a, the Taliban is a multi-dimensional force. Maybe the force that I was against could be different than the one that's currently in, in, take, trying to take power. Um, but I, I can only speak to what I saw personally on the ground. Um, and it's, it's extremely troubling that, that we, um, it seems like almost it was for nothing in a lot of ways. Uh, but hopefully we could, we could help still help these people. And that's, that's what I'm attempting to do now with, um, my work with Dr. Sultan and uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Afghanistan Initiative. Yeah, tell us about that because Ali Sultan was a resident when I was a fellow here. He's now obviously director of endovascular uh, neurosurgery at the Brigham at Harvard. And Ali's family is originally from Afghanistan. Obviously, there were sort of upper crust Afghanis, right, right if right, you will, right? But so. still, you know, he, he is ethnically and culturally Afghani. And uh, tell us about the kind of work you were on a call just this morning with this, right? I saw you on the Zoom. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, tell us about what you guys are attempting to do, and maybe people, maybe give a shout out. Maybe people want to to help as well, right? Right, right. So it's under the direction of Key Parks um, up there, up there at um, Harvard, and it's it's there's an initiative for global neurosurgery, right? Um, that that is a big push uh, that's going on right now that I'm aware of, and it's we want to have the Afghan neurosurgeons themselves begin to publish more about what the cases that they're seeing, um, the, you know, uh, any research projects that they're interested in. Um, and that's how it started off. But now with the, the events of the past week, we have gone into, uh, we need to get them tools. We need to get them tools to allow them to do neurosurgery better under these conditions and also try to keep them safe. Um, obviously having involvement with Americans might not be a, uh, you know, a, a good thing anymore. In, in Afghanistan. So we want to do as much as we can in as short a period as possible to um, help them out and get them get them the, the supplies they need to, to better care for the Afghan people. You know, hearing you talk yeah. about this new initiative, it's clear that you must just be a glutton for punishment after going <laughs> through, right, I mean, after going through your prior career, walking through fire for our nation, now pursuing a career in medicine, but not just medicine, one of the most, if not the most competitive and difficult specialties, all the while doing this work during your medical education. 
clearly there's something about you that is like many of the people we try to bring on the show and showcase to our listeners, something different inside that drives you toward these fields. And so I, I wonder from the perspective of someone with that drive who clearly wants to get get in it and get after it and get busy for the good of the people around you, um, but also from the perspective of someone who was over there, who was in Afghanistan, boots on the ground, I wondered if, if, if I could ask a maybe sensitive question by way of a ham-handed analogy. So we all work in medicine. We're all enthusiastic and aggressive, and we love neurosurgery. So we spend a lot of time in the hospital. And I know that when I'm on call, you could be up all night. There's cases, you scrub them. If there's a case in the morning, you stay post-call and do it because we're doing what we love and we're aggressive in pursuing it. But at the same time, it's nice to be home post-call. It's nice to have a little break and to be away from it for a little while. So I wonder if from the perspective of someone who was boots on the ground there yourself as a soldier, as a Marine, when you see your comrades coming home, obviously you've all signed up. You all want to be there and do good work, as you say. But is there a part of you or, or ha- what portion of you also breathes a sigh of relief and says, well, my friends are safe now? Well, so it's, you know, uh, we're Marines. We're never safe. Uh, that's not why we do the job. Um, we do the job to try to, um, to try to, to honestly, uh, it sounds, it sounds cliche, but we're, we're trying to help people. I know that th- there wasn't any Marine I was with there who didn't quickly understand that, um, th- these were just people that trying to live their lives and, and, you know, kids playing soccer on, on, you know, uh, on this ground that's riddled with IEDs. Um, and, and try, try not to get blown up is it, pretty, pretty simple to understand and, and pretty, you know, we got to try to protect them from that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that everybody can understand what you're saying fully, if, especially if they're younger, but I'm, I'm drawn back to the late Chris Kyle. Right. And uh, in the movie that Bradley Cooper plays him in as a child, I remember uh, that the father is talking to the two boys, right? Chris and his brother and says, in this world, there are wolves, right? And if you're a wolf, we're going to kill you. And there's sheep and I'm not raising sheep. We're raising sheep dogs, right? So I think that to a large degree, uh, what you're saying is, is very important and resonates uh, with us. And, and we often talk about that sort of military analogy of what we do, just like, like, like JP just mentioned. And I think about this issue of, um, you know, you being over there before in a military setting and now sort of going back in a way with Dr. Sultan and Dr. Park's group to try to do something in a humanitarian way, right? And I think about this, you know, everybody's being an armchair quarterback now, which mm-hmm. is which is which is interesting, but no skin in the game like you had, right? And, you know, the, the quotation comes up again and again of Afghanistan being the graveyard of, of empires, right? Very true. Very true, right? But that's a mili- military analogy or military statement. What about from a medical standpoint? In other words, you've been there, you've seen it. Right. Do you think there's any possibility medical care there will be something even remotely close to acceptable? Well, that's what we're, that's what we're hoping to, to achieve. Um, you know, uh, the, what got me interested in medicine in the first place was some of the, uh, the injuries I saw over there and some of the, the, the work that I did to help, you know, relieve those injuries. Uh, I found that that was the most rewarding aspect of the entire war for myself. Uh, and it really pushed me in the direction of, uh, of, of medicine, something that I had no intention of going into before and had no background in before. 
just a just a infantry marine on the ground with a you know a, a, a med pack and a, and a couple tourniquets, and um, you know I guess not not knowing enough about how to how to help these people with my limited amount of training uh, was my motivation to kind of study more, find out more, understand more, and 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 try to help as many people as I could. Well, that's incredible. And I, I wonder if you could maybe help some of our listeners who would like to help, but obviously we all wear different hats in society. Not everybody can, or, you know, maybe I shouldn't say can, not everyone is willing to sign up and go over there and fight and then come back and learn how to heal the same people. So for some of our listeners, most of our uh, audience is within neurosurgery, but many people are young in college, in medical school, like yourself at different stages in their career. Maybe if you could talk about some of these organizations that you're working with, what ways can our listeners contribute, um, be it financially, be it with time? How, how can people help you help those overseas? Well, definitely, definitely, um, definitely we're going to come out with the, uh, the Afghanistan initiative. Um, it's going to come out with a, um, a donation service to help uh, get us some, you know, get uh, high speed drills, things that they don't have in Afghanistan right now that, they're desperately in need of with the amount of combat trauma that they're seeing come in. Um, and so I will, uh, I will definitely give Dr. Wang um, the links to those and hopefully that could, um, you know, uh, bolster a little bit of the, uh, the, the, um, the Afghan uh, neurosurgical service. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot of what we're hearing about now uh, speaks to the, the successes of the American, I don't want to call it an occupation, but the American effort, the multinational effort to getting, for example, women and girls into schooling, trying to raise the level of education in the, in the populace and all that. And it's interesting because we, Dr. Hayde and Dr. Stroink just started the AANS Diversity Task Force, and we're running the social media piece of that here out of Miami. And I think about it and I think about how, how different it must be to be in a country where, you know, oftentimes females, a whole half of society are not even allowed to go to school, right? And they're not, maybe budding young neurosurgeons are not going to become neurosurgeons, right? right? How do you feel about all that? I mean, did you actually see that or is this just propaganda? Um, it's, it's absolutely not propaganda. Um, there were no young women in the town of Marga. Um, they were either taken away by the Taliban, kidnapped, or um, were hidden in, 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 the, in the houses and things like that. Um, that was the that was the level of fear and populace. Of, of you, you know, it's so interesting to me because as as surgeons and doctors, we are we are crossing boundaries, and that's why I think doctors have so little political power. In other words, you can be in the tradition in the current tradition of left leaning or right leaning, and I and people can get very ideological about that today, right? right? And as surgeons, we tend to be a little bit to the right, but we tend to have a balanced view about the world. And I think about this time in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and but more so Afghanistan and it's really like an eighth century civilizations right Very accurate, yes. and on the one hand you would say well the people that were supporting the war all these hawks and hawkish people that are very right-wing and conservative and all that and and so they're they're in it to fight the war and then the people who are very much on the left-leaning side are like no let's get out of that war but then you think about what people are complaining about in America like the handsmaid's tale and all this stuff I mean this is it actually in real life, in real life right mm -hmm. you're seeing it play out it's not some imaginary dystopian future right 
it's the reality. past. It's right. the reality, right? So I, I, I would just encourage, especially the young listeners, to to shy away from this concept of such clear, clearly delineated right versus left. There, right? I mean, I, here yeah. I see you. You're you're a right. former Marine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're out of the Marine Corps now. Yes, right? I am. And you know, to me, you know, what you've been is, I think, a humanitarian. You've been trying to be humanitarian, and most people cannot hold those right. two thoughts at one time in their head. Exactly. And it's, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure that every single Marine you'll talk to will feel the same way that I do, but at least the guys I was with felt that way. And uh, we felt like we were there, we're there, we're on the ground, we're getting shot at by these guys. Um, but, you know, these people are, 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 are there trying to live their life in farm while, the, you know, they're getting attacked, we're getting attacked by RPG fire. And obviously, the, any human being with any care is going to try to make sure that they're not going to get hurt. Well, that's the interesting thing. I, I, I guess I have to point out again is that any you say any human being would, would take action there, but not all do. And I think that just, again, highlights that there, there are those um, who see these events going on. And as Dr. Wang said, will play armchair quarterback and comment about this or that from whatever political leaning they may have. But then there are those who are willing to go and see for themselves what's happening and decide for themselves how, how they want to deal with that uh, occurring in the world that we occupy. Um, so I think we want to thank you for coming on the show and talking about these sensitive issues, particularly, again, as I said, as someone who was over there on the ground yourself and saw what was happening. Um, this is obviously a very sensitive time for the people of Afghanistan, and these are Uh, heady topics to discuss on a Sunday afternoon. But thanks for your time and your willingness to come on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Connor, I would just add one last thing, which is I'd like to have you back on maybe with Dr. Sultan or Dr. Park to talk about your progress in Afghanistan. And maybe if you could for, and I don't know if it's possible to listen in Afghanistan, but if there are people that you know over there, um, yeah, yeah, you could send them a message to say, look, how send out a message to people that are in Afghanistan through our podcast, something that you would like to express to them, the people that are still there. Um, that, well, I'd like to say that, you know, uh, at least this American and, uh, the Americans that I know, we haven't abandoned you, you people. Um, and we're, we're here to help and we're going to help until we can anymore. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, sir. Beautiful. Hi, JP here again. What a powerful conversation. I hope that you listening were able to experience and appreciate even a fraction of what I got out of it, getting to speak with uh, this brave young man. Now, Connor has asked me to share with you um, some words that he put up on a social media post recently that uh, he felt would really put a capstone on this conversation and his view on these things. So he wrote recently, the only Afghanistan I know is one of people desperately trying to live life in spite of near-constant war. Kids who are playing soccer on streets riddled with explosives. Taliban coming into their towns and kidnapping their sisters. It is a place where countless of our guys died or lost their limbs and did it without batting an eyelash, because they knew after just a few days there, the clear line between right and wrong and good and evil, and that helping stop this was worth dying for. I hope the incredibly brave people I fought alongside, the kids who I used to have handshakes with, are all still alive and safe. And I hope they know that this American hasn't abandoned them. Powerful words, Connor. Thank you.